I'm Rev David. Thanks for joining me as I wander through life. Today's Bible reading contains a very famous phrase, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. You'll almost certainly have heard this before, but can you remember where in the Bible it comes from? Let me read you the passage and then I'll say a couple of things about it. I'm reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap Jesus in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. When I was at junior school as a boy, you only had two choices, Manchester United or Manchester City. The two were irreconcilable, they never met, they were never at peace. The Pharisees and the Herodians were just the same. The Pharisees were religious, their focus was on God, they were Jewish, their life revolved around the temple. The Herodians were political, they supported Herod, their priorities were aligned with the Roman Empire and the Emperor Caesar. And yet these opposing groups are prepared to come together in an unholy alliance against Jesus. The time is Holy Week. The place is the temple precinct. It's hot, it's tense, the atmosphere is full of intrigue and conflict. There are spies everywhere. And the Pharisees and the Herodians have united to get rid of Jesus. They want him gone. They send students armed with hard questions to try to trick him, to catch him out. Tax was a sensitive issue and everyone had an opinion. The Roman Empire needed taxes to fund its building programme and to fund the armies that were needed so it could expand into foreign lands. The Jews had a problem with this because their own land was indeed occupied by those same Romans and here they were having to pay tax to a foreign power with no choice and no say over how it was spent. And not only that, but it was used to fund the worship of idols. And on top of that, this tax to the Romans was in addition to the local tax and also the temple tax. So in fact, tax was running at a rate of about 50%. 
so half of all your income, which was never very much in the first place, was taken away. So into this very volatile context, the question is asked, the trap is set. Should we pay tax to Caesar or not? And of course, the question puts Jesus between a rock and a hard place. Pay tax and you're supporting Rome and the occupiers and the zealots will assassinate you. Don't pay tax and that's sedition. The Roman spies will grasp you to the authorities. I wonder, you know, how would the Pharisees have answered this question? When I was in the Holy Land in 2008, I went to a lecture where the teacher set out to explain some of the cultural differences between the Mediterranean and Western Europe. And one of the things that I'll always remember is the custom of answering a question with a question. So you never get to the end, to a final outcome. Instead, you continue in a dialogue. So back to this encounter, and Jesus asks to see a coin. Notice that he doesn't carry one, but they do. They produce a denarius, which was a day's wage for a labourer. And here we go. Jesus' answer to their question is a question. Whose portrait is on the coin? And they have to answer truthfully. Caesar's. And then he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And to God what is God's. And these students who'd set out to trick Jesus are so amazed that they go away. Jesus has outfoxed them. He's won the day. And we have a great story and a memorable phrase. But what does this encounter mean for us today? Some classical philosophers had very clear ideas about the separation of body and spirit, and therefore of God and the world. Over time, this found its way into our theology and our belief systems. So there's often thought to be a distance between God and the world, and a sense that God is good and the world is not so good. And this, in turn, has led to many of us keeping things in very separate boxes when it comes to God. The English person in polite company never talks about politics, religion or money and especially about how much they get paid. This separation has resulted in a society where almost all of us feel awkward if asked to speak of God or about our beliefs. So to help us think about this a bit more, imagine for a moment a coin that you hold in your hand that has the image of the Empress Caesar on one side, representing the world, and the word, just the word God, on the other side. Think also about the edge of the coin, neither one side nor the other. This all highlights the tension between the togetherness 
and the separateness of God and the world. Two sides of the same coin. Now, in your mind, take this coin which is in your hand and choose God. So place the coin down on the table with the God side facing upwards. If God is face up, then we deny the world. So we focus on prayers and the Bible and church. Nothing wrong with worshipping God. But if we went to extremes, then we might end up like the Essenes or hermits or the Amish. We lock ourselves in our ark, seeking protection from the stormy seas of the world. But if we become disconnected from the world, then God, our faith, becomes irrelevant to our lives and irrelevant to the people around us. Okay, so take that imaginary coin and turn it over. This way we choose Caesar, we choose the world, but God is face down. We live in the world, God put us here, God made the world. It can be a hard place to be, firstly just surviving, but then accumulating and holding on to wealth and possessions and status. We can be so busy living that we have no time for God. Even when we try to be nice to others, to lead good lives, we can lose our direction and our motivation. We can lose sight of the bigger picture. We can be overwhelmed by meaninglessness or hopelessness. So what about choosing not one side nor the other, but choosing the edge? Imagine your coin balanced on its edge. This really is a balancing act. In the world, participating fully, but also being on the margins, pushing for God. As usual, Jesus offers an uncompromising and difficult option. It's hard being a Christian. So let me finish in Mediterranean style with a question or two. How do we serve Caesar in a way that honours God? Or to put it the other way round, how do we live as Christians in the world? The coin that Jesus asks for is all about price and cost and value. And Jesus seems to push this aside as irrelevant. And I think point to himself as a new currency. Is that what we need to be? A new currency, a new set of values in the world. And if so, how can we do that? That's it for now. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>